You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hello, everybody. We're back. Happy Tuesday. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving if you're in the U.S. And if you're not, I hope you had a great weekend because we are back with lots more stuff. We've got a really cool 86 Cayman comparison coming quite soon. Yeah, Behind that, we, we have a our north trip is coming soon. Our south trip is coming soon. There's so much cool stuff in edit that I can't wait to show. I'm editing the north trip right now. And it's making me laugh, which is one I'm of so two glad. things. Either A, <laughs> I have completely lost touch, or B, it's genuinely funny. And I'm hoping it's the second one. But uh, we're back with a uh, cool topic Tuesday, a card of and a lot of good questions. Am I the only one that just sits around and makes my way to car sales sites, bring a trailer included, but mm-hmm. I just start looking at cars and I think, I would really like to have that. Mm-hmm. I don't have the money. I probably will never be able to afford that. And what will I do with it? I don't know, but I want it. Well, my parents are just about to do a complete garage rethink. So yeah. I was on Auto Tempest all weekend talking Were you with really? them. Uh, okay. Off and on. Yeah. Talking with them. About, what is this car yeah. worth? And what could they get that one for? And all this kind of stuff. And they're, they're going to do a full rethink. The vet's going to go, which means at some point between now and when the vet goes, my dad and I should do a test drive. I was thinking about that. That would that's be really funny. That's a great funny. idea. Anyway, that's a side note thing. But, like the, but a lot of stuff's going to leave and a lot of stuff's going to change. And so that's very interesting. And then, of course, you know, every time I think about buying a car, <clears throat> my wife goes, you know, my Cayenne. <laughs> so we have that conversation. Right. Yeah, it's all going on. Robert T. writes to us for a Topic Tuesday asking what makes for a cult car or a cult truck. Mm. Arguably, he has two, maybe three cult vehicles. First of all, is an 01 Jeep XJ. Mm-hmm. The Speaking old, uh, the boxy Cherokee. Yeah. And, and Jeeps and your wife, Kate, and wanting something different. Yes, true. But she. Mm. All, but the, the thing about the XJ is, think about it, that is like the dawn of the five-seat SUV. I suppose so, yeah. yeah. Anyway, onward. He's also got a 2021 Jeep Wrangler. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep, that's uh, very much a, a thing my wife would like very much, yes. <laughs> For sure. And third on the list is a 1971 El Camino. Okay. His fourth vehicle is a 2012 F250, definitely not a cult truck. True. Robert asks us what attributes make for a cult car? Is it years in production? Is it popularity or uniqueness? Is it the ease or difficulty of maintenance? Mm. Uh, I can answer that. <laughs> Some uh, solid experience there. Yes, you do. Uh huh. He'd also like to get our opinion for his midlife crisis car. He's six foot three and wants one more fun car before he can't enjoy them like they should be enjoyed. He's leaning towards a new Camaro 1SS with the 1LE package or a lightly used C7 Corvette with, of course, the Z51 package. Very cool. He's open to other suggestions, but he doesn't like the stigma of driving a BMW. Hmm. Bob, really appreciate your thoughts and your insight, and we should touch on the cars that uh, that you should get. And I mean, if you've suggested both of these, clearly you, you want a Chevy. Yes. And you want a V8 and a mm-hmm. sports car. I mean, Corvette is my answer. Just go enjoy the Corvette. Your I'll dad, go, yes. I'm glad your dad got one mm-hmm. when he did to yes. enjoy it when yes. he did. Mm-hmm. Is he also sort of glad, even though it's... It's going to be leaving. I mean, that's, you know, my, my, my dad has a tendency to go a bit of yore. So, you know, you, <laughs> okay. you, you got to dig to find the good. But at the same time, <laughs> okay. he and my mom have enjoyed that car much more than they thought they would. 
and they've had it. He actually said then to me that's recently, a win. That's they've a had win. it longer than he initially expected. I think he thought he was going to buy it, and six months later, he's going to be like, "This was a bad choice." And they've really? had it a couple years. That's all he's talking about his whole really, life. They had some six really months. good good driving in it. Both of them have. So I think it's been a good call. I'm going to yeah go right to the car thing here for Bob and say, "Look, Bob, the number one reason you need to get the Vet over the Camaro, the Camaro, the One SS with the One LE package is excellent. Very good chassis. I think you'd enjoy it. It's very cool. There is one problem: you are too big." At six foot three, you <laughs> cannot fit ergonomically well enough in that car, yeah. and the visibility will frustrate you. And so, for that reason alone, I mean, look, I think personally, if you gave me both those cars to pick from, I'd pick the C7 anyway. However, for your size, it's VET. It's just Corvette. That's a great point. All right. Well, we've decided that, Bob. Yes, we have. Now we have something that we will probably not be as definitive on, and that is what makes a cult car. Yeah. You got me thinking about all the cult cars mm-hmm. on the planet. And then that did tie into what actually makes for cult cars. But I will start out with the Renault 4L, built from 1961 to 1992, associated with French mailmen and police and boulangerie. (laughs) It's the adventurous (laughs) and durable car. It was this little cult following of this little tiny thing. Sure, yeah. It was the response to the 1948 Citroën du Cheveux, because they wanted sales too. And it was this little tiny scrappy underdog of a car Mm. and it just gained a cult following because everybody could access it. Mm. Mm. That's a key thing. In addition to that, Ducheveux is the 55 to 1975 Citroen DS. You might remember this as former president, French president Charles de Gaulle survived an assassination attempt in 1962 near Paris in an unarmored DS. And that was chronicled in the movie Day of the Jackal Mm. from 1973. He proclaimed that Everybody should drive a DS. I'm never riding in anything but a DS. <laughs> they're the quirky, the four-door, oh, yeah. you know, with the saggy rear yes, end. for you sure, know, yeah. Those famous. Yeah. They're just quirky and fun to look at and enjoyable, and I don't want to ever own one because I have no idea what the maintenance on that will be like. Sure, but horrifying. I want to sure. drive one at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, the Volkswagen Beetle. Mm-hmm. Film and TV, Herbie the Love Bug, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's also the Volkswagen Bus associated with... Well, many things in addition to the hippie movement, but yeah, just cool, Mm -hmm. just accessible and fun. Mini Coopers, also immortalized in film, Bond cars, Vipers, Thunderbirds, FJ Cruiser, the Toyota AE86. When I mention all these things, what do you think of? You associate the scene with Mm, that car. Okay, all right, sure, sure, sure. How about the BMW E30, the M3? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe still the most successful DTM racing car of all time. It had national championships in France, Italy, and England, in addition to a double victory at the Nürburgring 24 hours race. Mm. Volkswagen Scirocco owners are cultish as they come. They love their Scirocco's. <laughs> You're, right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. 91 horsepower, however much it makes. Sure. And they're yeah. just, they love those cars. Nissan Skyline, Supras, Acura NSX, mm. celebrity or driver endorsements, the Senna. The Ayrton Senna sure. version NSX, sort of like this hallowed ground. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Senna approved this car. Mm-hmm. This is the pinnacle of everything. <laughs> of car. Yeah. <laughs> of I need cars. some loafers and that car. That's really what, yeah. If you haven't ever watched the loafer exactly. heel-toe downshift, Senna drives the, oh, the NSX. Man. He immortalized loafers while driving quickly. It's so very 80s. It's fantastic. <laughs> that video alone is sort of like, okay, I guess that's the car to I aspire I need, to. I need loafers and some slacks and an NSX. That's what's going to make me cool right totally. there. Yeah. So, Bob, when you're bonding or commiserating between owners over, as you said, broken cars or finding good solutions to fixing things, and it's it's only proliferated with forums because where do you go for your fellow 
people to cry on their shoulder. My car is broken. How do I fix this thing? It's forums Mm -hmm. and the buildup of forums over the last 25 years or so. That's the place where cars that weren't cult cars before have become that way. That's excellent. Because we have each other Mm -hmm. to rely on Mm -hmm. and people want to share that knowledge. They don't want to... You know, sit over here and say, I, I know the answer, but I'm not telling. <laughs> because people are desperate to be experts. <laughs> of course you know, they you, are. You hit on something key there, and that is you can think now because culture used to be, and I'm not, I'm not saying this is, this is a good thing, but culture used to be much more ubiquitous. We're all paying attention to this artist now. We're all watching this movie now. We're all watching this TV show now. Right. Okay, think about up through the 80s before the internet. That was very much how it was. Now that led to lots of this group is not being represented, but we had kind of a uniformity to culture prior to the internet. Okay. The internet has a, and there's always been factions. There always have been factions. You can find your little group, but you had to dig. You had to go find yeah. the people that had yeah. your particular quirk. You had to dig them out. <laughs> Because they were hiding somewhere like you. Okay, that was we all had it, but it existed and it was hard True. to find. The internet has completely splintered culture. Mm-hmm. While on one level it has given, and it's very interesting to me, it's one level it has given the world a common pop culture. Because I remember when I moved, sorry, side note, when I moved from England to the U.S. Mm-hmm. in 1983 as a 10-year-old, I realized how much the U.S. in pop culture was ahead of the U.K., Okay, because the U.S. was creating pop culture you in saw the U.K. Immediately, instantly, right? instantly, because I was so behind. Huh. But what was fascinating is I went back to the U.K. twenty years later, two thousand three, while working on Lord of the Rings, and That's I right. walked off the plane. And except for the fact that some of the branding was different, the culture was identical as far as pop culture. The movies coming out of the same because the internet had just universalized all of that. But then the other thing that's happened with with the web is that all of these factions have a voice. So it does, you don't have to go far to find your faction or your cult. And so there's two sides of this, Bob. On one level, I see what Paul is saying, and that is any car is now a cult car mm-hmm. because you can find your group that is hell-bent on this vehicle is the greatest vehicle ever. Yeah. You can find that forum, that Facebook group, that Cars and Coffee. It's not a far dig, and you are talking to your people. <laughs> okay, so any car can yeah. be a cult yeah. car now in a way that I don't think every car was. But I also think on the flip side, there are cars that, to what you're probably thinking, uh, Bob, they are cult cars that have a specific quirk about them. Mm. And I think you have two of three. I'm not actually going to give it to you with the XJ because I think the Cherokee's interesting. And it has, as we've said, it has a cult following now because of the web and there's people that love it. And I, I know. But the Wrangler and the El Camino are both cult cars. For they sure. They absolutely yeah. are. Yeah. And I will say that they are. You mentioned the bug and the bus and other things that are very good. But I say, say that they are for, for a couple of reasons. I think there have to be some combination of three things. Don't have to have all of these three things, but some combination of three things. A cult car, a car that just becomes an icon of its own thing. And the people that own it really like it. But everybody mm-hmm. kind of knows it's an icon. It has to be theoretically, maybe only made for a short time, doesn't have anything else that really overlaps it. And that's key. Okay. But enough of, were, of them were made at a low enough cost that it's not the Lamborghini we made 12 of. It's, it's a car that to some degree the every man can own, but not everybody wants to. And the ones that I thought of, Wrangler for sure, yes. Because the Bronco is the only thing that's even gotten close, but it doesn't have the Wrangler history. Yeah. The Wrangler is in a class of its own. The 911 
because nobody makes anything else with an engine in the rear. That is a cult car. That's yeah, everybody for sure. knows it. For sure. Most everybody respects it. The people that own them and are dug in will never consider anything else. Corvair owners are like, look over here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the 911 is in a unique spot. I think, honestly, my Lotus Elise is borderline cult car. You think because so? Because it is somewhat attainable. They, they made enough that other people can get them. Mm-hmm. People know kind of what they are, but most people don't want to own one. But the people that do, we are our own little cult. Bob, as Todd was speaking here, you're absolutely right on. Cars, I believe, are the only thing on the planet that can bring people together in such a benign way, mm. but also still such a, you know, a rah-rah, this is our team. Yes. You don't really hate the people on the other team because they have nice cars too. There are people that are. There are people that do. It's not a. <laughs> yeah, there, are, a there are the haters. It's a but, sweeping statement, yes. but it's not, you know, exceptions to every rule. Yeah. For example, you have your group with your car, mm-hmm. and you found your people, but what if you have something else? Oh, you have a Wrangler, too. Oh, th- those are your people, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the people yeah. over there, and they like Teslas. But in every car group, I think only cars make it so welcoming to people that have now found their group. I, th- I see that. And ever I, yeah. before, past religion, past politics, past any kind of massive subject that can be so disagreed upon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To the point of anger. Yeah, for sure. Cars are still like, well, I like mine, you like yours. Ultimately, we still like cars. We, You know, win, win, win. We see you know that I mean? on all of our meetups is that the cars are the unifying factor. And mm-hmm. people that probably wouldn't hang out or get along mm-hmm. are hanging out because of cars. And, and getting can, along. <laughs> yeah, and you can, and you can drill yeah. that down to your specific car you are cult-like about, where I guarantee you, because I've, I've done this, I guarantee you, you can be at a dinner with your group of car people. And if you take a moment and like zoom out, there's a couple people at that table you would never hang out with if it wasn't for yeah. that car. Yeah, you're right. And, and and I feel like it gets more and more distilled the more you get into like, we are only about this make and model. There's some weird people in that group. I don't care what group we're talking about. And <laughs> I may true. be the weird one. But if you drill... <laughs> you, you might be that person. Exactly. But, if you drill yeah. down to like, we are about this make and model, there are people there, the only thing you have in common is that car. But it still affords such a broad talking point. There's yes. still such a, yes. a a vast area of land to, to agree upon and talk about yep. and become friends over and yep. share other interests about, which lead to other interests. I, I don't think there's anything else on the planet. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but art, I mean, not everybody's into art or that style of art sure. or photography or hiking or the outdoors. Some people like to stay indoors. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't, and there are those factions and groups, but everybody is affected by cars in mm-hmm. some way. That's also a sweeping statement that there are exceptions well, to every rule. But, but, but affected by is true. Much yeah. every person on the planet in some way or another is affected by cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And have a relationship with them, whether you love them, you hate them, you, whatever you drive, everybody has some kind of interaction with a car. And you feel one way or the mm-hmm. other about them. And so... I love that cars bring people together, and if you find your little cult car, you're, you've made new friends. True. And people are so welcoming. True, true. People, like you and I have talked about, people suddenly like cars because they're Teslas. Welcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why, why do you like that? Mm-hmm. 
Okay, suddenly you realize you're into cars. Those only kind of cars. Okay, fine. But there's still a lot of talking and friendship yeah, yeah, to be yeah, done. Sure. Yeah, that's sure. pretty cool. It's very interesting. So all of the things you listed from motorsports and racing, a special engine like Mazda rotaries, the rotary. Oh, yeah. That's, crew that's over here. That <laughs> yeah. is a group. They are they are dedicated. Yes. Uh huh. Video games, Fast and Furious, mm-hmm. film and TV, platforms that will never be built again. Mm hmm. Longevity, you touch on this, Bob, build quality. You know, how many were built over time? How many Volkswagen Beetles were built? Oh my gosh. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there a person on the planet that hasn't ridden in a Volkswagen bug at this point? <laughs> <laughs> Find me that person. You're Maybe right. Somebody That's listening. Funny. A celebrity version, like we've talked about. And don't forget, last but not least, art cars. Yeah. That can bring people together that. Otherwise, you know, you want to go to a gallery and see an art car and swirl some Prosecco and look at an art <laughs> okay, car. Okay, all right. right. You're, you're way out there beyond me culturally, but I take your point, yes. <laughs> it happens. It does you know, happen, BMW yes. kind of pioneered that, but yeah, uh, I think BMW did. But still, I, I enjoy art cars. It's still cool. Bob, let's look at the flip side real quick, and that is there are cars, and you own one of them, that are not going to be called cars. And yeah. F series trucks. There are just there. Frankly, yeah. there's just too many. There's just too many for them to ever be ever be called cars. The Toyota Camry is a great example on the car side. There are so many because at least the Volkswagen Bug, <laughs> at least it, it had such longevity, but it also remains quirky and rear engined. True. The Camry yeah. is car. You now it's a very good car. It runs. It works. It's reliable. It comes in eight million variations. There is a Camry, theoretically, for everyone, as there is an F-Series Ford truck. Yeah, true. And as a result, you have people that buy them because this is all I buy, and I love it, and I am dedicated to it, and the Camry is my religion, man. Mm -hmm. You have those people. But you also have people that just need car, and they just decided that that one runs, and they consume reports. You know what what the best-selling truck is? It's the Ford F-Series. So if we're going to get a bunch of company trucks, we should just buy Ford F-150s. They're so ubiquitous, they can't have a cult following because it it bleeds out beyond people that are really about that vehicle. And this is where 911s and Wranglers Mm. and Lotus Elises, I'll even say the Miata, is a cult car. Absolutely. Because it makes, it, it takes the, now you've got plenty of cult following for your MGs. Okay, and your and wow, your, you know, yeah. your your classics, your your XJ uh, one twenty Jaguars. Okay, that's an elite club. These are these are in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. <laughs> these are classic, well known. The Lotus Elan, the inspiration for oh, the yeah. Miata. You can find those people, but now we're getting not beyond. We're getting beyond cult into quirky. Mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. and a, a, the the Miata creates a car that is all of those things, but it runs. Yeah. And that was its whole mission. And it, the fact that it remains to this day is astonishing to me that the Miata is still being made. I love that Mazda is still making it. But like the 911, you either have discovered it and you're like, yeah. Or you're like, Miata. <laughs> right, or you've looked right. at them from afar and been like, I, I wonder if those are fun. But it's not for me. True. Yeah. And so there are those cars. But you're right. You also have things like the F-Series and the Camry that there's just too many. Uh, Mazda never knew what what this was going to turn into true when they invented the na it was a swing for the fences and i love that they did yeah. it yeah I, I remember the original commercial and i could find it somewhere it's like a super bowl commercial i'll never forget this visual but there was a visual i'm gonna get it a little bit wrong sweeping past i love old barns i don't know why i just think old barns are cool <laughs> okay. sweeping past an old barn like a, a little bit worn down white barn with a huge American flag painted on the side, which exists all through the U S yeah, yeah, yeah. And as you swept past it, there was just a glimpse in the garage with the back 
of the N.A. Miata because they were trying to make this Americana commercial and embrace the Miata as part of Americana, which was very interesting. And interesting. I remember that I vision. I have saw to this. find it. But it was this sweep past a barn, and there was just a glimpse, little glimpse, red Miata right there. And I was like, that's an interesting thing to try to make an equivalency with. It worked. But that car lingers. It's very cool. When you have that moment, you remember a car you're interested in, or you heard us just debate a particular vehicle right here on the podcast, you need a way to search for it. Our friends at Autotempest.com focus their efforts where it's most important, helping you find great cars, local, nationwide, big listings, or little ones. Are you the person all your friends talk to when they're car shopping? The folks at Autotempest rely on word of mouth too, and you'll give your friends the tool they need when you tell them about Autotempest. Autotempest.com slash everyday links you to nationwide listings from Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace, so it enables you to search beyond the limited distances those sites support. So when you're doing your drive homework or you're chasing your next family car or you're just browsing to feed the disease like we do pretty much every day, go to Autotempest.com slash everyday so they know we sent you. Autotempest. All the cars, one search. Daniel B. is in Rochester, New York, writing lyrics to country songs about his cars. <laughs> this, it, you know, he wrote that he wrote that sub uh, subtitle here, and I thought, what? And then the more I read it, I was like, I see how you got there. You really are. It's it's crumbled into a country song with you. Yes. A couple days after his fiftieth birthday, someone lost control of their car on the road in front of their house. Luckily, other than property damage, they walked away with nothing more than bumps and bruises. But they ran directly into the back end of Daniel's twenty twenty one Ram fifteen hundred Classic, pushing it across his driveway and into the neighbor's yard. The truck was turned 90 degrees as they skidded down their driveway and just missed running into the house by about six inches. The frame was cracked. The box was destroyed. The repair estimate came in at just about $31,000, which means the truck was a total loss with only 5,900 miles on it. So brand new truck destroyed, (laughs) destroyed in the front yard. House barely missed. You know there's trenches through the yard now. I'm hearing the lyrics in my head. There's got a major twang and the steel guitar is going. It's great. Anyway, wow. he, he did say, though, that a few days later he was laid off from his job that started earlier this year. So, okay, no truck, no job, trenches in the yard. I'm going down the list here. The house barely got missed, but I'm sure the landscaping is now gone. He did say that the lucky thing here is that the dog is fine. Good news. The everyone. dog didn't die, and his wife isn't leaving him. That's the last two pieces of the puzzle. But at the moment, we started a heck of a country song. I really thought we were going to get to dog and wife problems, but luckily he did duck that. Wow, Daniel, I am so sorry to hear I'm glad your beloved has decided you're <laughs> not leaving. She's not leaving an unemployed man without his own set of wheels. After paying off the leasing company, there should be about 14 grand left over that comes back to him. Okay. Now, his beloved owns a 2018 Ford Explorer, so they've got the SUV thing covered. Okay. He also had, um, well, he's had what he liked to call the trifecta. 2010 Harley-Davidson Iron 883. Okay. An 89 Toyota MR2. And then he had the truck. To pull the truck. That was the first, the perfect three pieces of transportation garage for him. And then if you're paying attention, the truck's gone. The driveway's trenched. They almost hit the garage (laughs) and and nailed the Harley Davidson and the MR2, but we just missed. Dude. Well, they need, eventually need to get a second car, even though his beloved lets him use the Explorer when he needs to. But if he gets a job that requires him to commute, the priorities will change. If he can't, if he sure. can't just limp along and doesn't yeah, get a work-from-home yeah. kind of job, mm-hmm. he's going to be needing a car here soon. And in Rochester, New York, he says they've got all four seasons. They measure snow in feet. <laughs> and he's always had a four-wheel drive truck as his daily. 
but he almost never used the four-wheel drive feature. Mm. He realizes good tires for the season, and he drives for the conditions. Good job. That's fantastic. I do think that's interesting. I have a truck, but you know what? The weather's terrible. I don't even need four-wheel drive. That's interesting. He prefers to have something fun to drive year-round. He loved having a truck, but can't justify the cost of a newer used truck for the small amount that he needs it, like Home Depot runs. For the actual truck things, yeah. Explorer's fine for that. Mm -hmm. They're open to manual or automatic, can be Cooper sedan. He just wants fun to drive. It sounds like at this point he's really open because everything else is just kind of crumbled. So (laughs) whatever, man, just give me suggestions. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Let's start over, shall we? Do you get the idea that the MR2 has left his life? Because I, I can't really tell. He gives no, us I, history of ownership. I think that the MR2 is still around, and he did he did make a mention in here that he said he's daily driven a truck, and one of its uses was to take the MR2 back and forth to the shop. So the impression that All I right. get is that the MR2 is still around, but it there's no discussion of it actually getting, you know what's crazy? Driven. Right. It's, it's Daniel, when does an MR2 actually get out? As part of his history, he said he spent a decent amount of money to replace the malfunctioning supercharger on it mm-hmm. and put new wheels and tires on it, and he said, we're good to go. Yeah, I get the impression it's around, but it, it, I also get the impression that it pretty much never gets driven, which is part of my questions for Daniel. Yeah. And other than this MR2, Daniel has never owned a car. Mm. It's always the truck, except for a brief period of FJ Cruiser ownership. Now, his wife loves the idea of a Mini Cooper, He'd like to own a V8 sports car at some point, but he's not sure she would enjoy it as much as he would. Sure. Okay. So at this point, he says if he's looking at used all-wheel drive, any drive vehicles, Mm -hmm. he could go up to $25,000 total. But he says if you just had $14,000 cash to purchase a used vehicle to not have a payment or just a small payment, what would we buy? Is he better off to go without a car at this point, or should he save money and just purchase a new fun-to-drive car? And that statement seems weird, because I think the MR2 is still there. Yeah, that's part of my my line of questions here. I mean, so we're talking about Daniel has $14,000 cash right now, or much as twenty five if he wants to stretch a little bit. Right, He's trying right. to find this fun thing. And this is my big first question, Daniel, and that is, what's up with the MR2? Is it staying? Unclear, yeah. And I'm going to say this to you. I get the impression it's still around but doesn't get driven. Mm. And at that point, sorry, tough love time, sell it. If it doesn't get driven, yes. I I get the impression. Now, you you did tell us, you told us your car history or or your ownership history, and it has been all trucks or SUVs except the MR2. Was that car that when it was new, you were young enough, you couldn't get one, you finally got one later in life, you got the non-supercharged, and then that led to a supercharged, and you have, as far as you're concerned, the definitive one. I get that. I understand the love. I, I do get it, and I can relate to it, the 300ZX, except if you're not driving it, it shouldn't stay. And yeah. then you have more money to work with to get something else. I'm struggling with the MR2's purpose. I get the nostalgia, but it's not an art car. <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's, not, it's not just there to be like, I have that. It, it, you, so that's my real challenge for you, Daniel, is you may have even more money available to get something even further because I, or, or, revolutionary idea over here. <laughs> Look out. It's coming in. Uh-oh. Drive the MR2. Drive it. Yeah. Yeah. As a non-connoisseur of country music. Yes, you, that is who you are. Yes. Would you say that most country songs end on a, a happy note or is it depressing all the way through and they just get to the end of the song? I mean, I mean, I, I'm, I'm genuinely asking. It, well, it depends. What would you say the general what's, trend what's, here but, is? But what's, what's the theme? 
as a guy that used to work at Waco 100, Texas' number one country, <laughs> let's talk country music, shall we? <laughs> I'm asking no, because, because you know, we need to rewrite the lyrics for him. Is this a country sure. song where we just fell in love? I've met you and you're awesome because that's light and fun. Is this a country okay. song where we just broke up and I'm either angry or heartbroken? Angry can be fun. Heartbroken Ooh, okay. is depressing, but there's people out there that just broke up and are wearing tight jeans and driving a pickup and they need their heartbreaking song. Okay. And it just sort of ends there, right? So it's kind of, what's the tone, you know? Yeah. It's the will I love again, or it's the I just found you and you're awesome. Then there's, I would say, <laughs> the country culture songs. Okay. And this is, let's talk about beer and guns and pickups and the boat and what we're doing this summer. And that, that's, that's the country culture. It's just kind of True. the fun summer music. And that's upbeat. That's all fun. Things okay? involving red solo cups. And when you have truly inspired the truck, lyrics. The truck's uh, gone, the dog died, my woman left. That's breakup song. That's in that tone. Okay. We're not necessarily. Daniel like just just like glanced off that world, <laughs> but he's okay. So this is yeah. that like this is like verse 1 is depressing. Verse 2 is I'm trying to cope. Verse 3 is it's going to be okay. So this is Daniel's progression okay. of the country okay. song. Wake up 100, Texas number 1 country. That helps me out. I, I appreciate that. And I do think you should look at cars. It sounds like you want a car, Daniel. And the top choices all include the usual suspects for me, mm. like the WRX. We haven't recommended that car in a long time, but it is kind of perfect for you. It is still $25,000, four-door, all-wheel drive. What should I get? WRX. <laughs> Hate yes. to say it. Uh-huh. Yeah, there it you is. You brought it up, Daniel. But there's the Honda Civic Si, the Mazda 3 Turbo, the TLX Prior Gen Acura, and, of course, the GTI. All fun. But I sense you're kind of a Toyota guy. Yes, and you want to save some money. Okay. So I am eyeballing the prior gen. Well, there's a slightly refreshed gen. So it's the same gen, but it's the Corolla XSE hatchback manual. Oh, there you go. Don't know that the prices have dropped quite down to $14,000, but I know they're not twenty five. True, 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 yeah. So have you considered one of those? It's the warm mm. hatch. It's mm-hmm. still fun, utilitarian. It's Toyota, should mm-hmm. run. It's actually pretty decent looking it wasn't my favorite on the front end styling when it first came out but it definitely has grown on me i, I admit that the back end of it does look still rally-ish mm-hmm. people might mistake it for a gr corolla and go ah, a gr no it's an xse yeah never mind so you'll be cool for about three <laughs> seconds yeah it's cheap enough that this can lead to the eventual fun car i think you should sell the mr2 like todd said if you're not driving it it goes mm-hmm. it can be somebody else's albatross around their neck yeah. they can <laughs> Yeah, that can be part of the story. That can sure be like can verse be. three. Yeah. And then verse four is when you Here's sell the new thing. I like it. Yeah. Or sorry, get the Corolla XSE. Yeah. And that's fun. It's going to be great for all conditions. It's going to be utilitarian. But st- more, most importantly, it's going to fit your budget. Mm. And then as you start to think and plan and save and as the car market still does its changing thing, as we know it all will, then you can really figure out what's next as the fun car. Maybe it is something light and cheap and it's Miata shaped. Or (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what it is, but it is Miata shaped, you know. So that, that will give you the progression, but it gets you something fun, utilitarian, still good and reliable. And like I said, it's all the driving characteristics of the car are overshadowed by how much you didn't pay for it. Mm, I like that. I like that. And that is sort of the, the sun is going to come up in the future. Yes, it is. It's going to rise again and I'm going to take a deep breath and gaze off into the distance. Mm -hmm. And 
my dog that didn't die is going to stand it's next either, to me. It's and either, depending upon your style, it's either a guitar solo. Because the other okay. thing I have to know about country music is that it's running 20 years behind current pop music. Oh. So you can track. Anyway, it's a whole side thing. we need thing. to choose 20-year-old cars then to fit no, no, the No, 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 no. I'm just saying. That it's so, so depending upon your country style, it's either a really good guitar solo or possibly a fiddle solo. Oh. Depending, and then and then 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 we get back into the really triumphant last verse. It's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, you know, your wife comes alongside you, and you gaze off across your land, and <laughs> the sun's that, that coming has up. Trenches in the yard. <laughs> it, it's a whole. That's actually the name trenches. of the song. I think it's just called Trenches in the Yard. I think that really is the name of the song. <laughs> We've written anyway, the song, Daniel. Um, I do want to say one thing real quick. You d- did ask, should you wait? And I'm going to say there's two answers here. First off, yes, the car market's still volatile right now. I think because you don't need another car this minute, you don't have to buy right now. So in your situation, I am going to say wait as long as you can. But there is a caveat, an asterisk on that, and that is this. You need to be looking now, though. Because what I don't want you to do is get to a situation where you conclude, oh, I now I need a car. And then you're just going to go buy the wrong thing as fast as you can. So you need to be looking and open now. Mm. with no pressure to buy one. That's the best way to buy a car because then you have the money. You're looking, when do we need one? What can I find? Oh, those are interesting. Oh, that one went already. Oh, that's a bummer. Well, you know what? I think I want one of those. So I'm just going to start looking for that. But you don't have to have it right now because the worst time to buy a car is I need a car this week. Mm. We just got that Mm -hmm. job. We got a commute starting next week. What are we going to get? You'll buy the wrong thing we've done it others have done it everybody that writes us has done it so don't do that right. so shop casually with no pressure but don't feel bridge. like there you go there you go yeah right. right very nice don't feel like you need to buy something right away I, to the things you're hoping for 25,000 max hopefully as close to 15 14, 15 as possible I'm going to throw out a few things first off nothing wrong with a Mini Cooper be careful of the second gen nothing wrong with a Mini Cooper if your wife likes that as well go drive those and see what you think okay I like that a lot but I want you to drive an Alpha Julia just to see what you think. Okay. It's not on your radar. I and mean, they're not really still, tw- they're not 25 grand, are they? Uh, yeah. Are they that low? They're, they're around there. Okay. So just see what you think. That might, be, that might be out, but that's a possibility. The Mini Cooper versus the V8 discussion got me thinking about this. The most Corvette you can buy for 25 grand is probably like my dad's. It's going to be an early C6. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is a perfectly good Corvette, but it's not a great Corvette. The thing about the Corvette, it's one of those cars where the most money you can possibly spend, get the best one you can. And I don't know that 25 is going to get you one you're going to love. I think you'd like it, but may not love it. But I do want you to see if you can find a Corvette that you can actually, that's around your budget and go, this is the level of Corvette I could get and see what you think. Because I think that is an iconic enough V8. You would like it and your wife would as well, but I'm not sure if the price point works. Two that I really like though. Fiesta ST. That's always a great choice. Really good yeah. mileage. Great little tossable commute car. They're not worth very much. They don't cost very much, and they are so much fun. Get it in a manual. Yeah. I mean, it does the same yeah. thing the Mini does. It's more incognito because the Mini is like, look at me, I'm cute. The Fiesta ST is, I'm a cheap car, unless you know. That's and then true. you're like, that's a Fiesta ST, and those things are awesome. That's a good choice. So Fiesta yeah. ST is a really good one. You want something a little more personality than that as far as outward personality, more like the Mini Cooper. I know these are cheap. 500 a Bart. Fiat oh, 500 yeah. a Bart yeah. with $14,000 in your pocket. Buy one of those now. Now, it's not as fun as a Fiesta ST, but it has more kind of look-at-me personality, and it, it may be more your style. So try a Fiesta ST, try a 500 a Bart, and then I have a wild card. Okay. 
commute car, which tells me I want something nice and adult and four door. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, unless you're going to go cheap, cheap uh, hatch, which I've already done. So the alternative, like the Julia, is I want something nice and four door and adult, right? But it needs to be fun, and I'd like, I'd like to have a V8. Twenty five grand is kind of the bottom of the E ninety four door M three. Are those twenty five thousand dollars? They're around there. They're they're maybe. I'm I, horrified. I mean, well, that's the problem. The ones that are twenty five may be horrifying. So this is the issue. <laughs> it's a wild card, you know. So that that is a wild card. I mean, based on the events in his life, he might be up for something. Let, continuing gonna, the wild yes, card thing. We're going to throw it, it all out and do something crazy. <laughs> but I do think that the hot hatchback really gets you into something that you don't feel pressure and you still get fun. That's good. Daniel, write to us. With whatever you decide, we're eager to hear. We've given you some choices. We're very sorry to hear about the turn of events, but it's all looking Trenches up Trenches in here. the yard. You know it. That is, Verse 4 is coming. That's a good song. Haggerty is always announcing exciting new things that they're doing, and this one is no exception. Brand new this year, Marketplace is your Haggerty hub for buying and selling cool cars. With their reimagined classifieds experience, buyers can now shop for vehicles that are on sale from Haggerty Drivers Club members, and the sellers get access to millions of car lovers. This is a marketplace. There's all kinds of cars on there, so no matter what you're into, you can find something you love. And with classifieds, there's no buyer's feeds, regardless of vehicle price. Whether you're looking to buy or sell, you should head over to Haggerty Marketplace and take a look around. We think you'll love it. We asked for questions a little earlier than we normally do. We have a few really good ones. I want to get to those. But I do want to remind you that we ask for questions via social media. That is typically on Monday mornings and Thursday mornings for our recordings that come out Tuesday and Friday. Also, we're still doing the Wednesday test drives. That's audio from our YouTube test drives. that's still coming out on Wednesdays. But we love your social media questions. If you actually have a car debate, Everyday Driver TV at Gmail is where the car debates or the Big Topic Tuesdays go. Try not to put those in the social media questions because that's how we kind of keep things filtered. There are some really good ones. Ted Adam Green on Facebook has asked a question that we've heard at least twice, so I wanted to touch on it. Other people than him have asked, and that is, is the new Prius Prime a serious contender for a hot hatch because it has more interesting looks now and its performance numbers are reaching up into hot hatch territory? Ted, two things at once here. Wouldn't that be shocking? Okay, wouldn't that be astounding if we were yes. throwing the Prius into hot hatch comparisons? We won't know if it's even possible until we drive it. But I will say this. The Prius, in spite of better numbers and better looks, is not set up. Its purpose is not to be fun. Its purpose is to be a great piece of reliable transportation that gets great gas mileage. That's its mission statement. So I can't imagine that the new Prius is going to be revolutionary, like super fun to drive. I had no idea. I just, I'll be very surprised. Mm. Specs Mm. suggest that it's leaning that way because the power numbers bumped up. But power numbers, as we found out before, don't necessarily make anything fun. And we've also seen before cars that can look good and don't drive well, DeLorean. And so... (laughs) As a yeah. result, just because it looks good also won't make it fun. So the, the, the reality is going to be when we drive it, has it gotten more fun? Ted, I think the question that you really want to ask is, well, it's just four syllables. G.R. Prius? <laughs> oh, the, man. G.R. Prius. Now that, who would buy? Honestly, who would buy that? They would line up. You think? Down the block. You think? For a GR electric assist. So it's still got a motor, but it's electric assist. It yeah. differs from the GR Corolla because it's still focused on hypermiling. 
but it's now got the power to do so and because different mm. shape. The th- eh, Gr Corolla is too snorty for me. Gr Prius. What I see. Hello. What I'm worried about with the Prius trying to be if the Prius literally is going to try to be a performance car, I'm worried about, for lack of a better way to put it, the Cadillac problem. Cadillac being a brand that sold big floaty boats to retired people for t- for two decades and then went surprise performance sedan and then their whole yeah. entire market was like well that's too more too aggressive for me for the people that were actually buying them and everybody that should buy it was like i don't want to buy a cadillac a prius performance <laughs> model strikes me as you missed both targets maybe i like the ring type. i like the concept I, I like i just like that it could exist in- gr everything i understand yeah. the concept i think i think you might miss both groups Huh. I guess that's a depressing country song. Bradley J, 1983, feels like there's a glut of new EVs coming out from most all manufacturers, but he's wondering if the infrastructure is really there for all of them. Hmm. Are we in a situation where marketing would have you believe EVs are everywhere, but the reality is still they're a low-volume segment that gets most of the marketing hype? Marketing leading us astray? That's never happened. Marketing know, pumping Bradley. up things that truly don't exist or making them, you know, polishing things that really don't deserve to be polished. That's well, what shocking words. But politics and news. General cars isn't news for non-car people. The fact that you can still get another yeah, new car, or even the new Prius. It's, if this isn't news, what's news is the cutting edge stuff. And the cutting edge stuff, five years ago, was everything's going to be an autonomous car. Well, that proved to not be true. So you haven't heard about that in the news recently, have you? But Mm. the other thing that's going on, because politicians are are making big, grandiose statements and signing stuff about this is the deadline and that kind of stuff, the other bit of news is everyone's going to have an electric car. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is still a niche market, Brad. It is. They are still about 5% of the total market for cars. So... That, now, that is going to continue changing, but we've said before that we think a lot of these big political like swing for the fences moments make great press, and then we'll get retracted. There was a thing just this week where GM was talking about how they're going to keep internal combustion engine cars around, and they've been saying forever, is, we're going all electric. It's kind of contrary to the image they're projecting lately. So, yeah. so th- but that was just like this past week GM said that. And we've been saying that we expected that. Here's Cadillac GM doing it. great manifestation of that. Well, true. Cadillac Escalade. <laughs> Let's do this. Larry. Yeah, that's, that's terribly funny. At the moment, no, the infrastructure isn't there for them. And that is the biggest Achilles heel. As we get a lot of electric sent to us, the biggest thing we see is that the infrastructure is not prepared because all of these cars, all of these electric cars say, this is how fast it'll charge. And generally, honestly, the amount of time it will take to get your charge back like listed is like, oh, that's not bad. I'll just, I'll, I'll park it. I'll go get some coffee or, you know what, I'll, I'll park it while I'm at lunch. It'll be great. But finding a charger that does the speed that gets you right. that speed of charge is very difficult in most cases. Maybe non-existent. Depends entirely on where you are. Some cities are like, oh, yeah, I found that charger. But most cities don't have the best-case scenario, certainly not anywhere near you. So the infrastructure is right now way behind the dreaming of what we hope for for electric cars. Will they catch up? I mean, frankly, at the moment, we're at a we'll-see place. I think you're absolutely right. Will there be future country songs about autonomous trucks that drive themselves back to the dealership if you miss a payment? My truck drove away. My, my girl left and my truck drove away. The yeah. dog ran off. My girl left and the truck drove away. Something like that. Yeah, I should have gotten off the couch, apparently. Anyway. <laughs> yes, Bradley, the infrastructure isn't quite there. As Todd said, just a last point on that is that when marketing says only 20 minutes to gain 80% of range, 
the little thing right next to that is on a 350 kilowatt charger that doesn't exist. Most of them are 6.4, 7 <laughs> kilowatts per hour. 11 is like, ooh, 50 is a rarity, and there's probably a line for that. Yeah. Do you, you want to install something like that at your house? Really? I, maybe. Yeah. But and, that's and just you not can get reality yet. Better out of your house, for sure. But the big boys that they promise are that's like finding the gas station that is giving you 100, 100 octane. Do they exist? Yes. For for 85 octane price. For normal prices. Do yeah. they exist? Yes. Can you find them? Good luck. Uh-huh. Switching gears to a watch question, TK Hockey 510 asks me for the Rolex Explorer 2, do I like the black dial or the white dial? Shh, white noise. <laughs> Clearly white dial because most watch faces are black mm. and the white dial is very much known for that Explorer. It's mm. a very unique thing, especially to Rolexes. Not many of them have white dials. And so everybody associates white dial. Oh, it's a Rolex. Boom. Explorer. You're off to the races talking huh. about that. I, it's 42 millimeters, which I like the size. I would prefer that. I've actually been eyeballing them myself, but I can't afford one. <laughs> and they're really awesome. But white dial, 100%. This question came out of the clear blue and I just thought this question is for me because something just happened to let me answer it and I can't believe I'm going to share this publicly but I'm going to do it. Chris on Facebook said what are some of your most embarrassing car moments? Now I've mentioned before on this podcast the old abandoned car story so if you want to hear that again (laughs) ask me but I had a new one this weekend that I'm not proud of. Have I heard this yet? No you haven't. I'm Uh really not proud of (laughs) this and I'm going to share it here publicly and I'm sure people are going to bring it up for years to come, but especially considering what I do for a living. But I went out to lunch with my family. Okay. Okay. We left the house and the Cayenne was near empty. So like a person who wants to do things for the family, I stopped at the gas station. Now, in my defense, normally when I'm getting gas, I am by myself and I am focused on the task of getting gas. Okay. I filled up the Cayenne. It was very cold. So I sat in the car, which I often don't do when I'm filling with gas. I sat in the car. I'm talking to my wife and my son. We're talking about lunch. We're talking about that afternoon. It's Thanksgiving weekend. We're doing stuff. We're having a conversation. In the middle of this conversation, the pump stops. Because of course it did. All right? Is everything okay? We're still Yeah, everything's okay. Okay. We're still talking. Man. We're still talking. We're having a conversation. We make a decision on where we're going to go to lunch. And I reach over and start the car. My wife, in her most perfect deadpan, her most perfect, my husband's a moron deadpan, goes, are you going to take the nozzle out of the car? (laughs) (laughs) And I was so sheepish in turning off the car and slinking around and putting the nozzle away. I was just like, this is the reason. This, This is why... All the hoses have that break point Uh because people legitimately, and I was almost one of them, people legitimately drive away with the nozzle still in the car, and that's why it breaks. It used to cause catastrophic damage, and that's why the hose (laughs) now breaks. But I just thought, what would that news story have been like? I was worried. Guy who runs car show (laughs) drives away with gas nozzle at the side of his car. I was almost there, and my wife had a a really good moment of "you're a moron." But I, in my, I will say I was distracted by the conversation. Yes, fair enough. It was still remarkably embarrassing. The fact that you're able to admit that, oh yeah, is there's no hiding. It's bad. That means you're on your way to growth. There's growth. Wow, on your way to recovery. I'm going into a 12-step program for put the nozzle away. Yeah. Trying to filter through many small things. 
on our most recent trip, just stupid stuff like not clearing the windshield. I got this. The frost, I just used the wiper blades and it'll be fine. And I nearly, fortunately, didn't drive into a curb. <laughs> the reason sure. the windshield is made of glass so you can see through it. And That's if you weird. you can't see through it, mm. what should you do? Don't be lazy. Clear your windshield so you can see where you're going and not bash your car into a curb. Ideally, in the middle of a road trip 3,000 miles from home. Yes. Really is got that it. easy. Okay. So, uh, good. Oh. Fortunately, nothing happened, but I... Kind of felt like an idiot, so I got out and cleared my car, and then okay. you know cleared the windshield. And Things are better, fine. So, uh, black roofs. Dustin Marshall asks, why do they look good on some vehicles and not on others? Seems the higher the belt line works better, at least to his eyes. Why is that? Very much depends on what elements of the style they the designers are trying to emphasize or hide. Mm, okay. And the best example I can tell you about is the Mach E Mustang Mach E, mm. and the rear section. Uh, you, you want to fit four people in this, yep. but the arc from the top of the A-pillar all the way to that rear spoiler is one pretty nice line. Mm-hmm. But that line just doesn't work for backseat passengers because people would have to chop the top two-thirds of their head off to yes. fit in the back. Which is not the best idea for passengers. <laughs> so yeah. what did the design team do? Create an elevated roof that you don't really notice until you mm-hmm. look closely that will fit people's heads in the back seat. And it's painted black, so you don't notice it. The first thing you notice is the color of that line because it's it's a nice A-pillar and it sweeps all the way to the back. It really only works if the car is not black. But still, you see that nice line, gorgeous sweep of color. That looks great, and that's what helps the Mustang Mach-E keep that Mustang theme to mm, it. Mm. So that is a huge compromise between we've got to sell these and it's called the Mustang Mach-E and we got to kind of be true to that style and feel to attract customers, but it's also an SUV and we need to fit people in there. Mm-hmm. And if we don't fit people in the back, people aren't going to buy our car because it's useless. So that's the best example I can think. And it actually does look fine, but that's the point when you have a beautiful design that you want to, you don't want compromised, mm-hmm. then you paint the roof black. You, you, Try to emphasize one thing over another, and you're, you're dealing with hierarchy at that point. The fender flares on a lot of cars, they're painted black, so you, that's kind of the thing you don't really see at first. You see the body side, you see the car, so it doesn't matter. Black roof, black C-pillars, mm. the Jaguar XJ was notable for that, the most recent XJ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, uh, the car looked really great when it was all black. It's like, oh, it makes sense, but then... The, the black uh, rear C-pillar, mm-hmm. the idea was to wrap the glass and make your eye think the glass is just wrapping around the back and leave this floating roof kind of look, but it didn't work for such a long car. It looks very strange. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get the idea. You just want you know the roof to float and then the car itself, but that works on, I think, smaller vehicles. So you'll see it continually on new electric vehicles, SUVs to try to differentiate themselves, mm-hmm. to make the height of the car not quite so visually tall and ungainly. To hide that mass, paint it black. McCundin on Facebook says, is the hoodless instrument cluster design a glaring mistake? I see what you did there. A glaring mistake. (laughs) You know, generally, no. We've seen it in a lot of Mercedes product. We've seen it now working its way into, we posted this big Suburban today. We've seen it working way into some of the big GM trucks. Uh, The new Ford Mustang is going to have this. It's actually surprisingly readable. 
that's the thing. I, I never cease to be amazed by when they put essentially the iPad becomes, you know, multiple iPads stacked horizontally is now the, 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 the gauge cluster and all of the dash. I'm always surprised at how well they work and how easy they are to see. I don't always like the look, though, because mm-hmm. the problem mm-hmm. is now we're just mm-hmm. getting the sea of screens and it doesn't feel it doesn't feel organic. It doesn't have a flow. It's just screen. I mean, watch our. Mercedes S-Class test drive. We talk about this pro and con because it's a gorgeous interior with this iPad and then there's a an opening behind it for the for the heads-up display that I kind of ranted about more than a little bit. So it depends on how it's integrated. The problem with going to that really thin thing is it kind of can't help but be just this thin screen sticking up and it makes the rest of the dash odd. If they can integrate it, I like it. It really depends on the styling, but luckily it's quite readable. Last question for me from Mitchell E. on Facebook asking about Alfa Romeo. He says they have a new Estrema trim for the mm. Julia, which has a lot of the Quadrifoglio's chassis and suspension upgrades, but the smaller engine. Is this something that other manufacturers should follow? With horsepower so easy to come by, even the small engines can be fast. Mm. An M3 chassis with the Turbo 4 would be a great car. Two things. What you're really asking is, is the statement no replacement for displacement sort of old news? And is Mm. that no longer true? Mm. Yes, it is no longer true because every enthusiast is going to have to get over the idea that a V8 is the only place. V8. Yeah, there's a lot of high horsepower V8s. Yes, for sure. But as you said, Mitchell, you can extract so much power. And the benefit is a lighter front end. Yeah. You have the benefits of changing the handling dynamics. It's not just big, heavy V8. As much as I love them, they will still exist in some form or another, but still, still getting that kind of power. And that actually enables car manufacturers to add all-wheel drive systems more mm. easily, if that's the model they're going for, and turn it longitudinally, transversely, packaging changes, and it allows same kind of power as the V8, more torque in some cases, Toyota Sequoia and the, the Tundra, they've left the V8 behind. Well, Mercedes AMG is now going all four-cylinder, but the power mm-hmm. numbers are staying the same, which is, <laughs> which just, is, is just bad. It's like, like, wait a minute, what just I happened? Love engineering. Yeah, it, it's crazy. But I'll also say this. We're thinking about the V8 versus the four-cylinder versus you know this Julia and that kind of stuff. You know what? Other manufacturers have done this to great success. I'll give you a fantastic example. The Corvette Grand Sport. It's always yeah, the running yeah. gear and the big aggressive body style of the big Z06 without the crazy Z06 engine. Yeah. And often it's the one you want. That's So I'd be good, curious yeah. to see if that's the case with the Julia or not. We appreciate all your questions, guys. Thanks for writing to us. EverydayDriverTV at gmail.com for all your Topic Tuesdays, car conclusions, and most of all, your car debates. Yep. So much stuff coming. We're already planning for 2023. I can't believe. The it's, road trips are ridiculous. It's, it's, they're so <laughs> they're much fun. Are. They really are. Looking forward to next time. As always, cheers, everyone.